Hi, this is Corey, producer of Earful of Dirt. Thank you for listening to this episode. Before we get started, please be aware that due to technical issues, portions of this show may be garbled or distorted. We appreciate your understanding and sincerely hope you are enjoying our continuing coverage of Major League Rugby and the game of rugby in general. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Lineouts by Earful of Dirt, bringing you conversations with rugby newsmakers about the greatest sport on the planet. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, Lineouts Extra, um, our rugby technique series uh, today with Gordon Hanlon. We are going to focus on the 1-3-2-2 attack system with... None other than the director of rugby for TSV Handelsheim. I think I said that right this time. Uh, it's getting better. Really, it's each week it gets better and better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, how are you doing, Gordon? Uh, pretty good, actually. You know, I've been back in Germany for three weeks now. We've been back uh, working away. So, um, it's going well. Yeah. Are you guys uh, playing, practicing in the snow, playing snow rugby? No, we're lucky in that. Um, where Heidelberg is, is surrounded by mountains, and we don't get the adverse conditions. And even if we did, we've got one of those uh, 4G like world of rugby regulation fields. Okay. Um, so it could be 10 feet of snow, and it's heated, so we'll be ready to go anyway. Oh, it's heated. Yeah. That's that's nice. I mean, yeah, this is what I tell people about playing in the winter. I just take this video I have of. Connacht going to Ensisse in, yeah, in uh, Siberia in, in Siberia during the cha- like the Challenge Cup, yeah. and every time every time someone says, "Oh, we can't play in the winter," I just go, <laughs> and I was like, "There you go, there you go." Yeah. I, I don't want to hear it because those guys play. It was like negative, like negative fifteen Celsius. I was yeah. like, <laughs> I was like, what? Oh yeah. man. Their beards and stuff were freezing. I remember seeing pictures of them sitting in the, the, the bench. And it looks, well, not for me, but I you know, like Texas. It's, it's nice and warm. So, um, yeah. So today, uh, you know, let's let's hit back on our last two episodes. You know, we touched on the 2-4-2 and the one three three one, uh, Some blitz, blitz and choke part of the defense. But uh, you know, let's just touch on some things before we move into, I guess, what is uh, one of the newer attack shapes that's used in rugby now? Yeah, um, so we started with, like, it, it all comes down to defense, really, and how the attack evolves over that. Um, we talked about the 242 and how that came about and the shape of what you're trying to do with that. And then um, more kind of the Northern Hemisphere or South African uh, style in the 1331, which is a lot more physical and a lot more confrontational at the point of contact. We started to address the problems and you know how to get around them and how to stop them, and this is what the one three two two is coming out of. It's the latest uh, trend, I guess you could say, as to how to beat the uh, rugby league style defence, and they've taken inspiration from the rugby league style attack. Um, it's where I think the game is going to go. Um, when I was at the rugby academy in New Zealand, I had to do a, a presentation at the end and it was on 
basically rugby league shapes and structures in attack that are going to become more prevalent in union. Um, kind of like multi-layered attack. So you'll have two guys at the line and then two in behind, uh, that kind of stuff. And that's what one three two two has 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 become. It's it's a way of getting around the blitz defense. It's a way of pinning defenders and it's newer and it's not as easy to defend because the teams don't have the same they don't have the same experience or footage that they do have on the two four two or the one three three one. And so so we've talked a little bit about why. So emergence with say running tens and you know skilled twelves. Like how does you know how does that push that push us towards this? I mean, we talked a little bit about you know rugby league defense um, as in a way to attack that. Yeah. So you look at like um, a lot of the modern number ten has it, changed. You know, uh, changed from Bowden Barrett to Dan Carter to Bowden Barrett, uh, Johnny Sexton to Ronald Garrett to Johnny Sexton. So now the number tens are a lot more mobile. They they attack the line more. They, they have the ball in their hands more. Um, number twelve is another strategy. Like uh, actually wrote an article that we probably should share. It's pretty good. Uh, the writing's not good, but the, the content. Um, during the World Cup, we saw the rise of uh, dual distributors. So Argentina played with two playmakers. Australia had two playmakers. Um, whereas before, we used to have a number 12, just big mountain man, he'd get the ball, he'd crash, and then he'd play off that. Well, now the number 12, much like the forwards, have become a lot more skillful. Um, the decision-making is better. Their, their vision is better. So having these two options to be able to attack with the 10 or with the 12 to find space and to pass and move like the one three three one became very restrictive because if you're going to hit in one side and then you have two like uh, england have with uh farrell and ford get the ball in their hands you know give them time and space and they will find opportunities but if we have just two pods of forwards that are hitting up well then you're kind of taking away their value that's like you just we talk a lot about New Zealand, but you can look at the wave of number 10s coming through New Zealand. Richie Bwonga, the Crusaders, he likes to run the attack. You know, Mackenzie, he likes to attack. Bob Barrett likes to attack. So these number 10s are starting to become more, uh, I guess, like the, the, the dual threat in football with the running quarterback. I guess it's starting to transition towards that. The dual threat. And then, so like, the tens are, but you're seeing, I guess, uh, I guess guys playing fly half that are just bigger. Because, uh, like, uh, was it you? You mentioned Farrell. Uh, Owen Farrell's not, you know, some small dude. Although, if you compare him to some of his friends, he's he looks a little smaller, but he's really not. Yeah, no, I was actually surprised. Um, I was over there before Christmas, just seeing him in person. I was like, wow, you're a lot bigger than expected. <laughs> he really is. Excuse me. Um, yeah, so tens are bigger. They're, they're, they're able to attack the line. You look at South Africa, the number tens they have. You want these number tens attacking the line now. Um, that's the way the game is going. So, who uses the one three two two? Um, well, at the top level, a lot of teams use it. Um, they use it in different ways. So, for example, you go like we just start with like. Uh, I was watching some games that we get. Leinster, Ospreys, Glasgow, Saracens. There's just the four 
from, from games I watched on the weekend. I know in the MLR, uh, Alan and Austin has said that they're going to use it. Uh, Huge Sabercats are using it. Um, I saw a tweet from the National Development Summit with the US there, and there's the US attack coach was explaining attack patterns with the 1322. So I'm assuming the US is going to be using it soon. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I'll try to get Greg McWilliams, the uh, new attack coach, on at some time to talk about what they're doing at the Eagles level because uh, he was he was very uh, he was very surprised at the reception he received at the NDS, and then he was very happy to hear. I was like, well. Greg, like a lot of people that were there are like uh, talking about your presentation. Apparently there were 60 people that uh, were turned away because the room wasn't big enough. So, I mean, people like when they're going to the NDS, I think they're really looking, uh, you know, that's one of the big things they want to see is they want to see the innovation coming from, you know, the national team level, which I, I think uh, seeing what Greg did there, uh, he talked about a lot of different attack styles, which, cause he sent me the, he sent me the presentation, but I think we're going to see like, um, the Eagles using at least part of, you know, that in part of their game plan. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's, um, I see it, we, we, we talk about it as an attack shape, but I really kind of see it as more of a structure which is transitioned into and out of. So it's very easily identifiable, but you have to be very good at the other parts of the game when you're not in this um, structure. We'll, I guess we'll get to it. Now I, now I assume. <laughs> um. So let's let's just get into it. What is the one three two two? For anyone watching live, I can I can screen share this, but uh, I will definitely put the images up on the back end of the show. Yeah. Um, so as we talked about, the two four two and one three three one is the organization of the forwards on the field, and it's the exact same for one three two two. So you'll generally have. Um, your hooker on the left, and he's the, like a lone player in the sorry, the, the near channel. Uh, then you'll have the three uh, the athletes of the team. So it'll be your two front rowers and your less mobile uh, second rower. Um, close to them, you'll have a your more athletic second row, like a Brody Metallic or a Barrow Atoje, and a really powerful blindside flanker. Um, and then just like in the 242, you have your seven and your eight out in the far channels, the more skillful players who can find space, and, you know, who can put players into space. So you have, you have one on the left, three in kind of the middle from the 15 to the 30 meters, two close to them, like maybe anywhere ranging from five to 15 meters away, depending on what happens, and then two on the far channel. So, I mean... When we look at the shape, you see you also see a rotation. So, <clears throat> when does the the shape tend to shift from going from left to right, and then going from right to left? Yeah, this is um, where I think it gets fascinating. So, there's there's two types of there's two ways of playing this, and you'll see how teams change a lot. 
depending on where the set piece starts, they will number off 1322 based on near side to far side. Um, so if you've got a line out on the left, it's just like we explained, if there's a line out on the right-hand side, or let's say there's a kickoff that you win. We've got some really good video of this, actually, I can show you. Um, the kickoff that you win on the right-hand side, then you, you will set it up in the opposite, like almost like a mirror image. Um, where it gets complex is when you have a scrum kind of in the middle of the field. That's when it generally depends on which side they attack on. So let's say you have a scrum in the middle and we attack right. Well, your back rowers are going to be there. It's going to take a long time for your, your props and your slow second row to get into that close position. So if you attack right, the shape will be reversed to left sometimes. Okay. But wait, again, it's up to preference. Some teams will slow it down and, and have the front rowers keep coming across. So it really it is open to interpretation. Um, and we'll talk about the differences, the, how it, the nuances, I guess you could say. Okay, so let's get into, um, I guess before we sort of touch on looks and options, how, how are you grouping, you know, pods specifically? In this, because we you sort of touched on it a little bit at the beginning, saying you know, the the hooker is going to be here and these guys are here. But then, how do you um, group your your backs with them? And then you know, well, I'll put put images up for you guys uh, later on. Yeah, so it's kind of like um, it's close to the two four two in the pairings. So the, again, we call it, you could call it the core and the edge group. So the core group would be your, your, that group of three, and then the, the the lock and the flanker. And then with them, you have your you have your ten, your twelve, uh, possibly your thirteen or your fifteen. And and it the backs positions are almost like a pendulum. So sometimes at the number ten is uh, standing at the, in the first receiver spot, and then the group of three is outside him. The 12 will be behind those three, and then the 13 behind the other two. If the 10 happens to be behind the three forwards, then the 12 is behind the next two forwards. So they're just kind of like, uh, almost like panning for gold. You know, they, they just shuffle left and right, left and right, uh, based off of what they see and what they're trying to do and how far from the sideline they are. And then with the edge groups, you have your, your wingers, your fullback, your 13. Uh, always inserting and trying to attack uh, and link from the middle to the to the sideline. Gotcha. So, how do you how do you get this? What do you mean by by get it? Like, like so, get to it. You know. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, how do you get to it? You know. Well, I'll give you an example. Again, these are just uh, something I saw from games on the weekend. Um, there is a clip from a Saracens have a scrum on the right-hand side um, against the Ospreys. Uh, I believe it a Polar picks and goes, makes like 25 meters because no one can tackle him. The seven and eight from that scrum have gone and secured that rock. And now you look up and all of a sudden the front rowers have disengaged from the scrum. They've stepped up with their, their lock who are on the left-hand side. Uh, Farrell is in behind and then you have the two other forwards who are shifted maybe like 20 meters to the left hand side and again we put the video but like a lot, a lot more sense 
and, and that's what it, it's all about. It's about setting up the point of contact and positioning off of that. So I, I assume that Saracens didn't expect for Billy to make like 30 meters on a pick and go at <laughs> the pace of the scrum. You know? <laughs> but they transitioned into it. Uh, and, and that's what you want to try and do. You want to try and get to the sideline uh, and then get organized based off of whether you're on the left sideline or the right sideline. Like if you do lineouts, bang, you can just attack to the far right-hand side. Your hooker stays there. I mean, he doesn't have to run anywhere. The, the lifters and then, say, the lock that's been jumping, they just move over like 10 meters to the 15-meter line. Your two fastest uh, back rowers are going to be on the far side. And then the non-jumping second row will, will have time to get into the middle of the field. That's one way of doing it. Got it. So we just talked, you know, different groups and how you're packing your your forwards and your backs, but what are what are the main options? Um, yeah, so and this is where you're gonna start seeing and you start recognizing it if you watch a lot of rugby these days. The the main option, um, when you get to the sideline, the ball goes from the nine to that lead forward. He's generally only gonna do two things. One, he's gonna catch the ball and carry or two they play out the back quickly to the number 10 and then this releases uh, the ball into the second channel so you have to think about it as um, not players passing to each other but rather going from channel a to b to c to d and you'll you'll see it every time i think i'm watching rugby this weekend teams get to the sideline they're going to have three forwards but the nine will pass two and then the 10 will play from the back it's the lab six or seven times a game. Then outside of that, again, it depends on what's happened. If they've carried, the ball will go nine to 10, who now has two forwards outside of him, kind of flat to the line, so he can pass to them, or he can pass behind them. Or they can take contact uh, and suck in more defenders. If that doesn't happen, and let's say it does, like it's, it's played a release ball out the back and the number 10 is now attacking, the options are, again, he can hit the forwards flat on the line or he can play to the number 12 who goes to the far sideline. So it all revolves around that um, core channel and how many defenders are in that channel. Like there's a, I saw a clip of England against Ireland last year and England were just they were running close to, close to the, the channel, close to the rocks, two passes, and then there was 14 Irish defenders from the sideline to the near post. And obviously, England, had, I think they had two passes, and then uh, someone did a dummy runner, somebody scored uh, pretty easily. So that's what you're trying to trying to do. You're trying to go from channel one to channel two to three and four. So, I mean, we did talk uh, split up core and edge groups, but how – so the next move forward, um, you know, for all our coaches out there that definitely listen to this, is uh, how do we coach it? And then for the player, how do you train it? Okay. Um so it's a little bit more uh, time intensive than the two for two because uh, you have more options. It's kind of closer to like the micro skills needed are closer to one three three one, and and you start with again. And this is where it's easy to coach if you have like, let's say you don't have two full squads and you're short on numbers. Oops. You set <laughs> set up the one small shape, and then you could just run through that one small shape. So even if 
it doesn't matter if you're in a different position or not. So we just start, let's say we just start with those front three forwards and then the back in behind. Just work on that, that channel. Keep working on that, keep working on that. And then, or if you have numbers, you can work on the second channel at the same time. And you just start, if you split it into four, and just, just keep working on decision-making and the skills needed. So props being able to play that uh, release pass out the back. Again, if they do carry, they have to have the footwork and invasion. They have to get across the game line. Um, the second row and flanker channel, you know, like the strike group, they have to run really, really good lines. They have to be able to find space and see space. And also, because their lines are generally going to be coming, uh, it's be an unders line, they're coming infield. They have to be able to run an unders line and also release a back on an over. So that's kind of a complicated pass if you're doing it at full speed and you haven't done it before. So just get everyone just to practice these in their small channels, their small groups, and just, just go through decision. Like start with walking. Put two defenders or three defenders and the defenders change their positions, you know. Like it's we do a lot of it, but single best way is to put out two or three cones of four different colors. And then the defenders, let's say one time they're on the blue cones, it's a different shape. Next time they're on the yellow cones or the white cones or whatever. So the attackers are constantly seeing different defenders. And then when you've gone through these like smaller channels, you just build it up just like two for two. Go go core and edge group. So group group the three forwards, the, the other two strike groups together, and then group the sideline guys together. And then just get them kind of working together. Now, instead of being three defenders, you've got six or seven. Sometimes you carry or sometimes you play at the back if there's space. And you're trying to just always just find space and get across the game line. Just like it's like the pendulum we've spoken about. You don't want to do it once and then walk back because that's not it's not helpful. So what you have to do is you've got to go through the phase of five or six times each group. Then you change over. So the players have to get used to um, getting back into position. That's why like 90, 60, 90 are. I don't think we've explained it, but we keep talking about it. And it's basically from a scrum that say you want to, instead of running at 70% to stay nice and fit, you know, you're not going to impact the game that much. You have to, like, the first 10 meters has to be 90% of your speed. Then it's 60% to adjust, look up, get the positioning right. And then when the ball is close to you again, it's 90% to go from that. You want to accelerate into contact. You don't want to be running at 100% and have to slow down to catch the ball. You want to kind of get the ball at 90% and then take it to 100. So when you've done the, the middle group, again, it's the exact same from the wide group. And then there's two ways of doing that. Um, what you can do is that same pendulum technique. You can go left, right, left, right. And again, just have like a number 13 in the middle, just linking them, linking both sides up. No, no defense or pressure in the middle. Or what I find when you get this better when you get to these outside groups is to play it kind of like a an elastic band so you start with the ball inside the 15 meter channels have your attackers on the outside from the 15 to the sideline defenders giving different shapes again play the ball quickly they attack if they get touched they form a breakdown and then the ball is passed back in field they again they get used to uh, attacking, getting set, attacking, getting set, which is one of the strengths of this formation. Um, a lot of teams will use it whereby they'll attack wide, they'll make some meters, 
then they hit their bigger forwards to carry and to suck in defenders. They'll snap uh, quickly back to the sideline to draw more defenders in, and then hit those three forwards again and play out the back. So instead of it, instead of having a team having a like a defensive line with twelve or thirteen people, in three phases they've taken that outside defensive line to maybe seven. Uh, so that they, you have to get in the habit of playing quickly. And again, the pass, you know, you, you don't have to, when they pass it from the ruck back across the 15 metres, it doesn't have to create anything. There can be someone just standing there catching the ball, have a hard three count or five counts to get set and attack again, and just totally left, right, left, right, just keep making decisions, keep executing the micro skills. That, that's the single best way to, to, to coach that. Is it so? Two ways. Uh, you you split your two sides, either between forwards and backs, and then you have your inside center act as a link. Yeah, and that's what you want to kind of do. You think about it as. Um, you know, the, the 10 and the 12, they control the middle group, and then the 13 is that link. It's very important. Uh, the 13 has to be able to run hard and straight lines because generally the 13s, when the ball is sweeping left or right, 13s need to be able to straighten up. Otherwise, they get they just kill all the space for outside. So having a 13, which has a really, really good pass, they have to be able to, to like, one of those, like a bullet pass, basically. Uh, they have to be able to run straight and hard lines, fix the defenders who are drifting across, and get the ball into space. So your 13 is very important to link up, um, either with his hands or with his feet. If you can put a 13 in space that can run and make line breaks, like uh, Izzy Falau, um, then you have a lot of options as well, because they form, he forms a breakdown 10 metres behind the defensive line. Now everyone is rushing forward. You have a lot of options from that. So your 13 either has to be able to pass brilliantly or use his feet and feet forward to get to get by defenders. Um, and again, it's to coach it. It's just, you know, this is the beauty of this thing. It depends on how many numbers you have. If you've got 10 people at training or you've got 50 people at training. But one side on attack, let them do you know, four or five phases change over. Now they have to defend. They have to work on their alignment as well. And it's 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 not just the attackers which are, are learning things in this. The defenders are also learning how to go from there. Okay, well, if I have one guy who's way behind, now he has to catch up and get connected. And again, if you defend four or five times in a row, it's it, it's a lot more difficult. I don't know if you ever played like proper touch rugby. The running up and backwards kills you. Yeah. Proper touch rugby. You you want yeah. me to play league? No, are you, basically. Yeah. Are, you, are you kidding me? No, Dude, I'm not, yeah, there's I'm only like doing. there's only like so many things I can do in life, and you yeah. know, league just. I I mean, it might be cool. I just don't have the time. All right. Yeah. yeah no, <laughs> although I although I understand proper touch is a is a is a killer for the fitness, which you know I just rather do other things. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's incredible. I started, I got asked, so I'm coaching the, our clubs, uh, my help with coaching the clubs, uh, touch rugby team, and I've learned, you learn so much, because it's a completely different game, but it's all based around space and running lines, so I'm learning an awful lot about that. It's, it's actually a couple of things I've taken from touch we're, we're taking into uh, 
R15s squad. So it's been really, really good. But yeah, it's, it is, you're right, from fitness, the, the running up and back, up and back is, is a killer. And on that fifth or sixth time when you've had to run up, you had to get connected, make a defensive line. When you have to come back again, you're pretty tired. And if you do it just once, or, or if not, no one cares about defense, then it's a waste of your time. So there has to be equal uh, weight put into the defensive side of it as the attacking side of it. Uh, so moving forward to how you do it, like how you plan training with the whole team. Yeah. And you um, know, as what as a was it? This is where you put the cones out, as uh, one of my friends says about coaching. I just put the cones out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I really, yeah, I'm not one for too many cones, but that is that's one of the simplest ways. Um, if you think about it, you put four cones, uh, or let's say four sets of three cones, three different colored cones, so red, white, and blue, red, white, and dark, across the field. So one in the left-hand channel, one in the middle channel, one beside that, and one in the far right channel. And then you have your team, say on your full team run, you know, just call out a, a channel or a different colored cone. So then the number nine with the ball will run to that channel or cone. And then the team has to adjust and they have to like think about their positioning based off of that. So let's say it's easy. You see, you start on the left-hand side. It's very simple for them. The team gets set. Uh, when you're happy with the, the positionings and the shapes are, are, are okay, just put your hand down, say play, or give them a thumbs up or whatever, and then let them go through five or six phases. Let them, let them experiment as a team. Let them express themselves. And you just keep doing that over and over again. It's just, it's just like the smaller, smaller scale. But again, just have them run to the middle, get set, and this is where we spoke about the rewind technique. So they, they sprint, the general they'll sprint there, some of them be really eager. You say, okay, you're in the right positioning, you stop it. You make sure everything is correct and everyone's on the same page and there's understanding. So it might take an extra 30 seconds from the time uh, you say go to the time you're actually allowed them to play rugby. But they need to understand, they start to predict where they need to be. If they look up and say, okay, the ball's going to be over there, I need to be here. Or uh, our second row is running that way, I need to be over with him. And it just, you know, just start doing this way. And that's the easiest way because everyone stopped and you can use your phone or if you have uh, performance analysis videos. Simplest way to just take your phone if you're an amateur club, take a snapshot. So, Okay, the next one, take a snapshot. You show them the right way, you show them what it looks like when it's done correctly. And then you say, hey, you know, Aaron, you were here, you need to be over there. Or to ask them where they need to be. I'll just ask questions. So tell them. Hey, you're the only one I've ever heard talk about, like, let's use the butterfly effect in rugby. Yeah. I just want to point that out. Yeah. Let's use the butterfly effect. You're weird. Well, you know, I also, yeah. <laughs> it, totally it totally applies. I'm yeah. like, what? I also made a legally blonde joke. I don't think there's too many people doing that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the butterfly effect, is, it, it, it's, it's this fascinating thing. Okay, if, if and when, okay, we've done this, now what happens? And just so people start to, at walking pace, it's like you said, was the crawl, walk, run that we, you said a couple of podcasts ago. Um, but just getting them used to seeing what their decisions and their actions impacts 
if you go here versus there, if you step in versus step out. And you only have to do like one or two in a training session. Because too many will overload. But if you can focus on just one or two decisions, this week we're going to look at that. And we're going to look at what happens when our prop carries the ball and then our second group of forwards carry the ball again. Now, what are our options? What do we have to do? Versus if the prop has passed the ball or the second group has passed the ball. We look at how everyone's positioning changes off of that. And again, it only takes a couple of minutes, walk through, uh, and then just let them play. As I said, you know, it's uh, from the cones, you can go to transition. So you start with a set piece. Today, we're going to do a line out here on the left hand side. Again, do your line out, execute your skill. The backs will make a call if it's red, white, or blue channel, or whatever zone you want to get the ball into. If it's a, if it's a snap ball, it's going to come back. They do, backs will do that. They, they like to see it important when everyone's playing walking rugby. Um, and then the forwards get their positioning based off of what you want them, and then you let them play. And that's how you started. And obviously, like the more you do, the more reps you get this, then you can start doing a jog pace, then you can start going at full speed. And when you go at full speed, there's going to be mistakes. That, that's just naturally going to happen. And, and the thing is, just like we said, butterfly effect, you cannot stop it. Like if you see one mistake and you stop it, then never people are never going to learn. You have to look at the consequences of the mistake. So if someone runs the wrong line and gets the ball isolated, Okay, well, now this forward from over there has to come here. He has to go there. And now look look at like the consequences of what your actions were. It's really, really important that people understand that, that everyone is on the same page. So for, so for you, how do you show your players, um, you know, the snapshots in like from training and from, you know, matches? Um, well, we have like uh, all trainings are – uh, video with several cameras, so I've got good angles on that. And then if I'm trying to um, I work with younger players about decisions in space, um, best investment I ever got was a GoPro with the uh, headset, the head attachment. So, yes, you can use the GoPro on the chest, but you never get to see where they're looking at. So just stick it on their head. It's uncomfortable. Don't do tackle because it might end up like Michael Schumacher. That's a tragedy. Uh, but, yeah, just... It's a GoPro is very easy software to use. You know, three or four minutes of, of, of them running around, you get to see, you get to listen to what they say, you get to see what they see, um, and that's a good way of, of teaching them. Um, again, if you have, if you do have video footage uh, training, it's a lot easier. Um, but if you don't, um, again, you're, you're every every smartphone has a camera these days and it's got a pretty good camera. Um, so that, that's something that I recommend. Just you know, take your phone out, take a picture or video for like 15 or 20 seconds, and then put it in. I don't know, is, is WhatsApp as big in America as it is here in Europe? What I mean, so WhatsApp is becoming. I mean, this isn't coaching. WhatsApp is becoming crazy as far as uh, you know the like how many people use it. Uh, you know, it's and I. I mean. It's kind of weird, but just to let everyone know, that's how ISIS was able to communicate for so long without like getting hunted down because WhatsApp is all encrypted. Yeah, yeah, the encryption is pretty good, uh, I believe. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great it's a great resource. Again, all smartphones you can download the WhatsApp app. Um, 
And then if you do have a 15 or 20 second video, just send it out and say, hey, what do you think? Don't, don't, don't give the answers, just tag the person, ask them what options do we have here, or ask someone else what options do we have there, and get conversation flowing. Because that's one thing at, at the professional level where we are, we have the time and the opportunity to have these conversations, uh, to, to discuss the, the, the space and the different options, but at an amateur level, you, you don't. But with WhatsApp or any any group messaging uh, service, you know, God, how many people don't sleep at night, or how many people are bored at work and want something to do? Uh, I mean, so, when it when it comes to the the WhatsApp chat threads, it's uh, I gotta tell you, it's it's I wish how many people had something else to do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's all WhatsApp. One thing, one very. Good thing it's always if you do if you are going to have like a team WhatsApp you have to have the serious one and then the the, the pictures one you know <laughs> yeah you make sure there's a there's a difference between the serious one and, and uh, post post your content in the serious one unless it's like player falling over a ball or something like that you know <laughs> <laughs> then you can then as a coach you can make fun of it. Uh, so you know. What are cues for you know different options, and you know why and where? Okay, um, the main reason that we use this shape is to slow the line speed, um, and we the key by slowing the line speed is that, that strike group or the second core group. It's it's your it's your big four, your big lock, and your number six, and they play kind of close and flat to the line. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to pin defenders, and they're also trying to stop defenders just shooting out of the line and, and then tackling your, your 12 or your 13 in the backfield. Um, so the cues you're looking for are is when the defenders in front of them start doing a jockey defense or a drift defense or start holding their feet and you have time, then you can play wide. That's what you're always trying to do. You're trying to go from one sideline or around the 15 to the next uh, sideline. So that, that's a cue. If they are like doing lots and lots of line speed or trying to blitz, you can do what kind of Exeter do, like we talked about earlier. Attack left, you hit with your powerful groups of runners, like a tight furlong or, or beneath uh, over the Polar, and you're pulling defenders in, and you go left again. And you're always just trying to like think of it like a links on a chain of defense. You're just trying to take, if you take two links out of it, the, the chain has to form again. This time it's only got 13 links. Take two more out of it, now it's down to 11. And it constantly gets shorter and shorter. So what you're looking for is you're looking for mismatches in the wider channels. So you're looking for lazy props. I know uh, something Exeter do a lot is they'll pick a target man. And let's say it's you, Aaron, they'll... they'll They'll run a group of three fours right at you and force you to tackle a person. Then they'll play to the sideline and they'll pass it to another forward who runs directly at you and to the sideline and back to you. So you've had to make like three or four tackles in the space of a minute, minute and a half. And they're not like sidestep tackles. They're running straight into you and you've had to wrestle them. So the point is to try and make you tired. Then they'll play it away. And now they're targeting you on the way back with a, a quick 13 or a winger or a fullback inserting in the line where you're out on your feet after, especially at the international level, where you've made so many ferocious tackles in such a short space of time. So, again, the cues are 
basically line speed in the middle of the field. If there is none, you can play wide. And then if there is a lot of line speed, uh, your powerful forwards will find space if you hit them flat and close to the line because the defenders will overrun. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, you've talked about how you train this, uh, this offensive shape with, you know, using your defense, but how do you counter this? Um, yeah, so it's, uh, my concern with this is unlike, um, two, four, two, one, three, three, one, which are, uh, mirror images, like depending where you are in the field, you can transition to that shape pretty quickly. So the biggest problem, uh, or easiest problem to way to counter it is it becomes predictable if the team is not very good. And when the shapes are first introduced, we're not very uh, accurate and exact in how, how we play them. So if you know that this team is playing one three two two, and they can only play it from left to right, well then it's very predictable for their strike moves. Um, everything they do, starting from a set piece, is going to be to get the ball into that left-hand channel so they can set up the, the structure that they want. So if you have a scrum in the middle, you know what they're going to do. Whichever side they go, you know they can only play one way, so it's a lot easier to defend. So your backs can attack uh, a lot more confidently. Your forwards can get lined up, and it, it's kind of... There's only two options, really. There's, there's the carry in that first group of forwards, or there's the pass at the back. So now we've gone from having like a mirror image and field with lots of options, potential options, to, well, they're going to strike with the backs to the left-hand side, and then they're either going to carry or they're going to pass at the back. So it becomes very predictable at, at the basic level. You know, obviously, uh, when teams are becoming a lot better at it, there's a lot more options, and, and it looks um, more fluid, I guess you could say. Um, and again, just like the, the two four two problems can occur when the shapes breaks down. So again, if you know they are, and that's why I call this more of a structure than a shape. I think it's very hard to play full field with one three two two. Um, I think teams, it's a really really good strike option. It's really good for for opening defenses. But if teams cannot, like if you make them disjointed or they cannot get back to what they want to do, like in the wide channels then they're generally just going to kick the ball to you. So how you do that is really, really target that uh, strike or the second forward group, I think. Because there's only two forwards there. The third forward will come to secure the rock, but he will be delayed. So you can slow the ball down there and get a lot of turnovers. And if he, if he does a tip option, then that forward is already isolated. So really, really target that channel. And if they're not carrying, they can just send a shooter. You send someone in the backfield, tackle the back behind the line, and then all their support forwards have to come and retreat. And again, you'll get a lot more. You'll be able to get a lot, a lot more line speed, and you'll slow their ball down quite a lot. Yeah. So. Wow, I think that uh, I think that really kills it for us. Uh, what do you think, Gordon? Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> some point you need to explore the the two 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 i think that might have been 10 
basically it's a, I guess another evolution of the one three two two. So you, yeah, it's um, and again, it, it's the higher level teams are able to do this. Um, Eddie Jones's England are doing something similar, but it's kind of like a one two 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 one type thing. Uh, and then the All Blacks will play like a one six one, where the teams are uh, the fours are very spread out. Um, it is again, it's closest to rugby league style attack for rugby league defences, um, and I think it's probably maybe two or three teams at, at the next World Cup cycle will be will be playing that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, for some research on that one. so for the American coach and the uh, American fan, uh, if you're in the Austin area or the Houston area, you'll be able to see the one three two two attack uh, all the time because Alan Yarde is running the one three two two, and I know Justin Fitzpatrick based on your guys' conversation and uh, some conversations I've had. But with with Houston, that that's what they're doing. But I also know from my interview with Alan Yarday is that once he's installed the one three two two, he's going to shift, I believe, to a multiple look and plans to you know shift between one three two two and two 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 two, which will be very interesting because it's not. Uh, I know some club teams in the U- U.S. have tried to play. Uh, that system, but it's, it's just at a certain juncture, we need more sessions like these uh, so that people know, you know, they have a place to work from when they want to do something different. So. I, I yeah. assume, um, sorry, I assume Glendale will be incorporating it a bit because I know when you spoke to me, he said he likes one, three, three, one with all the uh, options and the extra things you can do. And I assume yeah. the extra things is, is this right here. Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, based talking to, talking to Dave, he's, he's real into the one, three, three, one. And then, um, down in new Orleans, uh, Nate Osborne is also using the one three three one, but his offense involves like multiple looks. So you could pro- you'll probably see uh, you know two four two and one three two two as well. So in addition to like shapes, these guys like to play wide open. So I think there's going to be a lot of scoring <laughs> in this league. Yeah, yeah, um, and then that's that's a lot of teams will do that. They'll play. Like in their exit zones, they'll do a simple two four two because middle group hits up, secures the ball easily, and then you've got two forwards left and right uh, to change their kicks, and then they'll transition from the exit zone to the play zone with more uh, looks and options that they want to really want to stretch the defenses. So yeah, the defenses are going to have to be um, a lot better than what I've seen normally in in the U.S. And I'm sure they will because it's a much higher level. So. So for you, say you're installing this system since, I mean, we're talking about teams approaching this with doing, running a multiple offense with this as their base. How, like, what kind of time does it take to install, say, this offense, but install to have 
a multiple offense with this or another as your base and this being morphed off that? Well, um, how long is a piece of string? It, it really. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, if the yarn ball is pretty big, it might be, yeah. you know, from here to across the street. It's. Um, it really depends on, 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 on the players that you have. So when I started coaching New Zealand, we, we had one three three one, wasn't working. We went in on a Tuesday. Tony um, Barrett and Jack Cody used over there. And like, okay, we're going to switch to two four two, and just oh, okay. <laughs> um, and it, it's kind of like if you understand the key roles of each area. Like if you think about the field in channels rather than, well, I'm a position, this is my position, I'm a hooker, I have to do this. So you go from left channel to right channel or middle channel. And if you can think about it that way and you coach it that way where it's always about space and it's always about options, well then it's kind of, it's a lot easier uh, to implement than trying to like NFL style is by, by doing your uh, like a whiteboard and X's and O's and stuff. If you do it that way, it's going to take a long time because you have to teach the players in the way that they will learn. And well, I mean, you you use magnets, so it's sort of the same thing, except you know, not not nearly as many pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it's pictures. Some of them will have to do it. Some of them, you know, some of them will need need to see cones on the field. Yeah. Well, one things that I saw from Greg's that were another picture that was used uh, at the end NDS from I think maybe it was during the question and answer session. I don't know, but it was a uh, I don't know what kind of game you would call it. And to you know those like vibrating boards where you just have like yeah. football. So I don't. I wouldn't call it that, but it was like a you know a mini pitch. Laid out in in the army, we we'd call it a sand table, but it was for rugby and it was green, so it wasn't in the sand. Um, yeah. But you had basically uh, fifteen figures on each side, and they were you know sort of like doing rugby chess. That's a yeah. way. Yeah, and that's a great way because you have that, that that tactile thing of the connection where the player has to pick themselves up. Uh, and then put themselves, and it's just like that butterfly. They get to see what what is happening, and that's that's a really good way uh, for all clubs. I'd recommend them that you, know, you can get it. I think you can print it out of rugby field, put it on a what's bigger than A two size paper, and then just stick it in a cheap uh, IKEA frame, uh, picture frame, and then go to like even just random blocks of wood if you have any offcuts or something. Paint, paint some numbers on it, and then for like. Less than ten bucks, you have your your green sand table. You know, there you go. Um, well, Gordon, uh, thank you for today. As always, uh, looking forward to our next chat. We probably want to uh, explore defense because we have uh, hit on, you know, three different offenses. Uh, that will definitely give, I think, uh, fans as well as coaches something to look at and learn from. But uh, the thing that I know Americans need to learn about is is always defense. You know, yeah. everyone defense wins championships. They say. Well, no one told Tom Brady that. 
All right, everyone. Um, let's see. Uh, the show is back uh, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific this coming Monday. Uh, apparently, the XFL is back, so we're going to discuss something. <laughs> we're going to discuss some stuff about that. And then the America's Rugby Championship is back, although it kicks off this weekend with the first match of Canada hosting Uruguay. We... The Eagles don't start till next week, so we'll preview the AR, the five ARC matches for the USA Eagles on Monday night. Um, Gordon, I want one of those shirts, though. Yep, I can get you some. Um, actually, I've got some really nice kit here. Nice. Really nice uh, rain jackets. Now, when I came, it was like 80 degrees and it's only with sunshine all the time, and then I get my, uh, I get my kit and I'm like... Why is sixty percent of it rain here? <laughs> so um, yeah, I'll send some send some over. I'll send some uh, some whiskey to Grant as well. You know, he likes that. Well, um, the the whiskey's available domestically. I found it. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, again, uh, we'll bring Gordon back. We'll talk some defense, and I'm trying to get some stuff with some refs lined up so that we all know what refs are talking about when they blow their whistle and then do their, because I, st- I, you know, play the game four years and I, I like, so what did he, what did he do? It's a scrum penalty, but why? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> but, Even at the or, international level, they don't understand these days. Yeah. Oh yeah. Last, was it last six nations? Uh, they weren't, uh, Italy obviously wasn't, uh, you know, um, counter-rucking. They weren't doing anything, and it confused the hell out of England because, you know, it didn't establish an offside line. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, okay. And then they changed the law. <laughs> that was funny. But, um, yeah, see you guys next week. Gordon. Yep. See you later. This has been Lineouts by Earful of Dirt. Connect with Earful of Dirt online. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. For Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for listening.